Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it begins. A desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys! This is episode 153 and we have so many exciting Star Wars things to talk about, Jesse, and I feel like we continuously say that this is the greatest time to be a Star Wars fan because of all the content that's coming out, but really like... I almost feel stressed out with the amount that we've been podcasting, you know, because there's just so much to talk about. It's just hard to keep up with everything. I know, and it adds a whole nother level to it when it's on a million different platforms. We've got shows, we've got games, and I know that Jedi Fallen Order has been taking up the majority of my life lately because I just love it so much. This game has been so different than other games that have been out recently as in battlefront the melee aspect of this game is really really pulling me in i don't know about how you feel about that eric yeah i mean i've been used to playing star wars battlefront for a while that's the only games that we've been getting from ea um for the consoles and to this day, I still, every morning before work, wake up and get my Battlefront challenges done. And, you know, now I have to sort of split that time, right? Because there's only so many hours in a day, and now we have another game. And uh, I feel like Jedi Fallen Order really has, you know, captured my heart in a sense. Like, it, it's a brand new story with brand new characters, but it also brings in familiar aspects like we're aware of the inquisitors right we know about the second sister and the the ninth sister and the seventh sister and and all that and now we're getting them in a brand new campaign based story game and it's just awesome i love i love expanding star wars in ways that not a lot of other franchises will expand on them we get comics we get books we get games we get movies like it's just it's crazy but yeah i love it i'm definitely enjoying it a lot me too i know with battlefront for me i'm not very good at first person shooter games i have zero zero aim um so this game has been something that i can really play and be good at albeit i am on story mode but (laughs) yeah but I really, I, I've never finished a video game before, so I felt really? like if I did it, no, I've, I've really never, I mean, I actually, I did finish Force Unleashed. I really loved that game. Maybe it was also because it was another Melee-related Star Wars game. Melee games are the only games I finished. Let's put it that way. Like, I've finished all the Kingdom Hearts, but when it comes to shooting games, like, I just can't get through them because I just, I just can't do them. Yeah. <laughs> so I am really, really excited to get to be a force user and have a lightsaber. 
Well, we're not going to talk too much about this because neither of us are very far in the game. I don't know what difficulty you're on, Jesse, but I'm on like, not the Padawan, but I'm on like the Jedi Knight one or whatever. So it's it's not the easiest one, but it's the one above that, like the middle one. And uh, it's proving to be kind of difficult for me. It's proving to be kind of challenging uh, facing some of the enemies. See, I'm on story mode. So that was the very first, like the easiest mode that said you could basically blow through the game and get the story. <laughs> okay. And and that's what I'm doing. And I, as a person who's not very good at video games, I really like it. The actual battles are very, very easy. I think I might kick up the difficulty level a little bit just to the next step, just because those are, they're just so easy. Yeah. But for me, like all of like the jumping and like, force running against the wall like all that stuff is like hard enough <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. i like even like i love strategy games but i am like not good at them like i'll sit there and play zelda for hours and get nowhere so like that's kind of how i am with this game too so i figured if i have it on the easiest difficulty level when it comes to actually battling i'll actually make it through the story because i really want to make it through the story before the rise of skywalker comes out because i feel like it'll at least tie in a little bit yeah. Well, I'm still on Bogano, which is one of the first places that you go, and I keep getting beat up by some of these big creatures. I think Ogdu is the name of the creature <laughs> that keeps beating me up. But it's really cool because you can kind of customize your lightsaber, and I got, like, the highest edition of the game. So I got, like, the action figure that came with it, the Purge Trooper, and uh, special downloadable content for pre-ordering and forgetting whatever. So I have, I can like get an orange lightsaber, which is pretty cool if I wanted that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool to play. It definitely has a different feel than Battlefront. And I'm very excited to continue on with the story and, and see where our main character, Cal Kestis, ends up within the story. I totally agree. And I kind of love just how the, I guess, ability, you know, map works, how like each player can develop their character in their own path. Like you could start really beefing up like his force, you know, abilities, or you can go down the defense route or his attack route. Like, so everybody in different stages of the game is going to kind of be playing a little different. So I thought that was cool that you kind of, you choose your own Jedi path. Yeah. Well, I do want to touch for a couple minutes on just a few things about the story. And uh, one of those things is, this Jedi, Cal Kestis, had a master who is a Lasat um, yeah. named Jaro Topal, and he was the one who gifted Cal his lightsaber. I feel like we get a lot about the Jedi in this. We know that Cal Kestis practices the Jedi technique known as psychometry, which is something that Quinlan Voss had, where you sort of touch something and then you can understand its history, which I think is really cool. And then we get a character named Seer who we find out was also once a Jedi. So I feel like this really shows a lot and will tell us a lot about the Jedi as time goes on. Yeah, it's just cool in all of these stories that are just coming out recently in all different platforms of Star Wars, like how many more Jedi we're finding out or how many more Force users we're finding out are just, you know, kind of out and about in this world and it's like not as rare as we once thought it was you know yeah bd1 is just adorable i mean 
I know everyone's talking about Baby Yoda and how cute Baby Yoda <laughs> is, but BD One, I mean, it, it's it's no contest with Baby Yoda, but you gotta give BD One some <laughs> some cuteness props. I know there's already people that I've seen on Twitter who are like making they're like droid builders who've made their own um, BD ones that actually like magnetically sit on their shoulders and wow. it's I want one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't picked up Jedi Fallen Order, it is on shelves now, and I highly recommend doing that, especially if you like single player melee games because this one is incredible and it makes you think a little bit. You know, there's some puzzles in it. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely has that strategy element to it, which I really love. We got a new episode of Star Wars Resistance this past Sunday. The episode was called The Relic Raider. And honestly, this one might have been my favorite episode of the season. I would agree. I would definitely agree. I think they're really touching on some of the, the main points of the story and what they want to tell. It's not about fixing the Colossus now. It's more about it, it has that element of the Force that for the most part, Resistance didn't really have. And I know that a lot of times when the story makers for Star Wars are creating a new story that they want to make sure that the audience always remembers that the Force is part of Star Wars. And, you know, we don't really get a lot of Force users in Resistance just because, you know, we know where Rey is, we know where Kylo is, Snoke is gone, we know where Luke is. At this point, he's gone as well. So I think it's interesting that we now get a Sith Temple, Jesse. That was awesome to see. And we know that a lot of times with these Sith Temples... You know, it requires a master and apprentice. It requires a partner or somebody there with you. And I think it was interesting that Ayla and Kel were brought in to this episode to be a part of uh, the reason, you know, why they needed two people. They needed someone to push a button on one end of the room and then on the other end. Yes, I didn't even think about that with the rule of two. But I just think it's interesting that these two kids, Ayla and Kel, they're... They seem to always be involved in episodes where the force is at least like mentioned or force centric yeah. like episodes. Yeah, because she can essentially like dream the future almost, right? Right. Like I just it's just solidifying me believing in her force sensitivity and just how curious she is about it. And yeah, I feel like this kid's going to be force sensitive by the end. We might find out of season two. That's what I think, at least. Yeah. So our heroes, Kaz, Frey, Tora, and CB23, along with the smuggled Ayla and Kel, go to this trading outpost on Ashes Re, and we soon find out that this temple was... We, we get a new character. Let's just go with... We'll go with that first. Mika Gray. And she is essentially a relic hunter that is here to keep relics out of the hands of people who want them kind of like the first order and uh something that i thought was interesting that she said jesse was that a lot of times sith temples were buried beneath jedi temples and it was a purification of suppression is what she called it what did you think about that because that's not something that i feel like we've seen before that's sort of a new piece of information yeah, like I feel like we've heard it like at least like once, like we know the like the temple on Coruscant we knew was built upon 
a dark side temple, but I just didn't realize that it was like a common thing. Um, and it's cool that she calls it of suppression. Like her view on it is that it, you know, it's suppressing the dark side instead of what maybe like the council would say is like, it's balancing the dark side. Like she views it as suppression. Yeah. We also see that Kaz refers to the temple as a, tomb he's like this place is like a tomb and we know from seeing uh, moribands that uh, a lot of times in canon now that within these temples there literally are tombs the tomb of darth bane is in that temple on corban or on moribands and um when i think about other sith temples that we've seen the sith temple on malachor while it was underground which i thought was interesting because it was below the surface I don't remember a Jedi temple above it or anything, but it did make me think, okay, maybe some of these Sith temples are, you know, submerged or at least below the surface. Yeah, like, I guess it would be more the Sith way to, like, keep it hidden, to keep it secret, to keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the new character, Mika Gray. What do you think of her upon, like, your first impressions? My first impression of her was that she just looked really cool. I loved her look and her voice. I just thought she was really interesting. And the fact that her last name is Gray. Yeah. And she, she kind of goes on to say that she's neither Jedi, neither Sith. Um, and she's just kind of there looking for these relics. And she said she was finding them before they before other people did or before they got into the wrong hands. I'm not sure exactly how she put it. But yeah, she's like kind of like in the middle. She's like a gray. I don't know if she's a force user. She said she raised the temple from the ground. Yeah. She said she raised it to break inside. Right. So but what is that? at the end of the episode, I think Ayla goes up to her and like says something about the force or whatever. And she's like, you know, I'm not a Sith or a Jedi, but the force is within everybody and it just all matters on how we use it or something to that extent. You um, find it in different ways. Yeah. So I don't know. I, my guess would be that she, I don't know if I'd say force sensitive, but maybe she's more in tune to how it works than most people. You know, maybe like a like a Chirrut Imway or, or somebody like that. Right, yeah, and I don't know if you read um, Bucket's List for this episode, Mm-mm. but um, Amanda actually, Amanda from our TSO Book Club actually um, posted this on Twitter, and I saw it's from Bucket's List, um, and it is a quote from Pablo Hidalgo, and he said that the character Micah Gray evolved from imagining what Asajj Ventress would be like if she had survived into this era, and Although she's, although it's not the same person. So, she, so okay, I was fixated on this last sentence. Though not the same person, an unaffiliated force user who has gone through much was a strong point of inspiration for the well-traveled Micah. So I think when I first read that, I was like, whoa, she's for sure a force user. But I think they're just like describing Ventress mm-hmm. in that sentence. But I don't know, I thought that was interesting that they kind of thought about where Ventress would be now and and made that Micah Gray. Yeah. There's so many things to think about with this episode too. And anytime you get characters like this who are 
sort of attuned to the force or we get characters within temples it really makes you think about the potential for what that character could be or who they are and i think mika really sort of presents a a challenging one to to place the interesting thing in this one is that her ship blows up and she ends up going with um, the members of the colossus back to the colossus on the shuttle so i think over time, this Mika is going to be an asset, and she will eventually assist our members of the Resistance in defeating the First Order. Because if you remember, in this episode, Mika specifically says, or I don't know if it's Mika or if it was the uh, Relic Raiders, but they essentially say that they're hunting these relics for the Supreme Leader, who at this point is Kylo. So I think through the trailer for season two we understand that kylo is going to be in this season at some point and i think this is our connection to it i think the supreme leader hunting down these relics uh these sith relics from the sith temples is going to be how we get him you know yeah i'm really excited to see where she takes resistance and like you said earlier at the beginning it's cool to have the force back into this um, show and that is that could just be what she brings to the show from here on out is our force connection and not to just speculate but I just I'm, I'm really fixated on the Ilya Micah relationship and Il- Ilya's relationship with the force and I just kind of really hope that they kind of connect and bond and because I feel like time after time in all of the books and stories everything that's being released right now is very focused on two things and that's that's old relics like sith relics like we just read in um dooku jedi lost and then in like every single story there's a kid who gets left behind in some way some force user kid that's being left behind in some way by the force in all aspects of the timeline so I don't know. I just can't help but think that this is where Star Wars is going. Yeah. Before we move on to The Mandalorian, I have two things to ask you. One, is the power source, what Mika refers to as the power source from the from an ancient time, this relic, is it totally destroyed? Because literally, like, after it explodes, she just kind of, like, throws it over her shoulder and acts like it's nothing. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but, like, to me... That's not something I would just be like, oh, it's done, and just, like, set it on the ground. Right. Like, she can't possibly know that much about it to assume, you know, it's the Sith. Like, yeah. this, it's the Force. Like, it flows through everything. So, like, it's crazy to just assume that that is completely dead and useless now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Kylo came up right behind them and just, like, swooped, <laughs> swooped it up. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's my other question. So, Kylo has these relic raiders hunting throughout the galaxy looking for Sith relics. And we know that Kylo's not a Sith, but we know that he really wants to be like Darth Vader. And I think it was Mika that said that the First Order had been, like, chasing after her or had been following her or something. Because she said something about, oh, they were just following me on bogan nine or or, or some planet nine i don't remember what the name of the planet was but she made it sound like the first order had been sort of i don't know about tracking her but at least somewhat on the same trail as she was so 
how do you think that this is going to play in the future of Star Wars? And do you think that Kylo hunting relics will have any sort of impact on Episode Nine? Yeah, I think it totally could. And and to think of it now, it even came up in Galaxy's Edge, the book Galaxy's Edge um, with Vi Marathi. And they had sent First Order troopers to look for the relic in that old temple that they find. Yeah, like it's just everywhere. It's all, it's just being thrown in our faces over and over again. And we even see them kind of make a big deal out of Kylo and Rey taking down that Vader shrine, which I think has been confirmed now by StarWars.com that that one scene where they're both kind of destroying that black pillar, it, that it is a Vader shrine. Or maybe just one StarWars.com blogger agrees with me. I don't know. but So maybe that is something that is going to be something that he's sought after in our final yeah. movie. Well, we'll talk about this more when we talk about the rise of Skywalker and what our expectations are and uh, guesses are of what's going to happen. But to me, that's one way that Palpatine could be around still is that he transferred his essence to an item, in which case I think he essentially becomes a Sith relic himself. And maybe that's how he comes back or whatever. Um, yeah. because the Sith do that and maybe all these relics are being collected by the First Order and by Kylo Ren for that specific purpose I don't know I have no idea just looking but. all over the galaxy for Palpatine is he in this one? <laughs> yeah no not this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Alright, let's go on and talk about The Mandalorian, which I feel like, and we said this on our last show, everyone is literally just obsessed with. Like, I work at a nerd store, and I'm not even kidding you, uh, a mom and a daughter came in today, and I was like, can I help you find anything? And they're like, yeah, um, my husband was watching episode two of The Mandalorian last night, and he literally sat back and said... This is the greatest thing of my whole life. And so we're here looking for Mandalorian items. And I'm like, oh, oh. wow, awesome. <laughs> so they're like Christmas shopping. They're like, I know what to get Dad for Christmas. <laughs> yep. They're like, this is going to be a home run if we can find him some stuff. So. Yep. But here's the problem. A lot of the merchandise for the Mandalorian, including the Mandalorian Black Series figure, were released on Force Friday, which was over a month ago. And the diehard fans, knowing that that was going to be a popular one, scooped all those up. And so even at my store right now, we're not going to be able to get the Mandalorian Black Series figure in until March. Oh, so, man. yeah. I wonder, though, if they'll come out with, like, a Yoda baby for Christmas. <laughs> That's, like, the number one requested thing right now is I anything know. Yoda baby. Like, I I'll buy anything. Like... <laughs> I really will. Like, I just want a Yoda baby to sit somewhere in my house just and watch over me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about episode two specifically of The Mandalorian. And this one actually had a title. The name of this episode was The Child. And the first thing that really stood out to me about this episode, and it even was the case in the first one, is that you really can appreciate how well the show not only was directed, but acted. Because the whole first part of this episode, there's no dialogue at all. Like, literally, yeah. it's the Mandalorian walking with little Yoda baby sort of floating <laughs> along beside him in his little 
pod, fighting the Trandoshans, getting hurt, walking again, trying to fix his armor, and then it's like 10, 15 minutes go by or whatever it is, and no one said anything, you know? You know, I didn't even notice that. Like, that is a testament, right? Like, yeah. To me, to just be like, oh, it's weird that they're not talking. Like, no, I didn't even have that thought. It was just, it was like entranced by it still. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Castaway. It was like, you know, Tom Hanks is on a desert and he doesn't talk, <laughs> but you're still excited about what's happening. Right. And there was an interview that StarWars.com did for the Star Wars show um, with Dave Filoni. And he kind of talked about that a little bit. And he touched on how um, Pedro Pascal kind of thinks of the like the slit in his visor as like, and he had his, you know, how Dave Filoni's always in his cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was kind of like nodding his head and like showing how like the slit in his visor is kind of like the brim of a cowboy's hat. Yeah. And like uh, cowboys can kind of like act just like, like tilting their heads and like that that's kind of like how that's like a method that Pedro Pascal uses when he's acting as the Mandalorian. Well, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he thought of that or if he was directed to act like that. Um, Right. But either way, whether you created that idea or you are just acting it out, it is awesome on screen. You know, the final product really just shows how great the creators and everybody is on this show. So I would like to say that I am 100% on board with all the disintegrations (laughs) that we get in the show. Um, because we get, you know, there's that iconic line, you know, and I want them alive, no disintegrations. So we know that that's something that like Boba Fett used to do, um, the Mandalorian way of dealing with people. And we get that in this episode, just taken out Trandoshans and Jawas. And to be honest, my mouth opened a little bit. I was like, oh my God, he's disintegrating Jawas. Like, is that really, I feel like that's overkill a little bit. I know. I think that was like my like my initial. I was like surprised, but I like wasn't mad at it. Yeah. Like he is an antihero. Yeah. And I love it. Like antiheroes, there's just something so satisfying about them. Like they they just they don't think. They just act. They're just getting the job done. However you know they possibly want but there's also the hero end where it's like it's a yoda baby and i'm gonna be nice to it and i'm gonna save it i'm gonna protect it from everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think my favorite thing in this episode was uh the mandalorian watching baby yoda grab a frog and throw it in its mouth he's like hey you spit that out (laughs) he just swallows it whole (laughs) i know it's the hilarious. cutest thing ever. It was like the size of his whole body as it was yeah. like going in. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Yoda Baby specifically and what we think he is. So we had some speculations on our last show where we talked about episode one about the potential of this Yoda Baby being force sensitive and our thoughts were confirmed. So yes. Yoda Baby is Force-sensitive. Not only did it look like he was going to heal our Mandalorian at the beginning of the episode after his run-in with the Trandoshans, but he saves him against uh, the Beast in the late- later on in the episode. So what does this mean? Do you think that all of these species, all of the Yoda species are Force-sensitive? Or how does that all work? 
To me, it's definitely looking that way. This episode, I know we were contemplating that last episode as well, but this episode kind of confirmed that for me. Like, we've only seen three of them in all of Star Wars. We know they're rare, and every single one that we've seen is a Force user. So, I don't know. I just think that would be for such, like, a rare and mystical and important character of Yoda. I think that would just be a really cool species characteristic for them to just all be force sensitive for that to kind of like explain why he's so strong in the force not to like discredit yoda like i don't want i get him i'm sure he worked hard and that's why he's the best (laughs) but like but like they must just all be like strong in the force okay so i had the same thought I do think that all of the species, all of that species are force sensitive based off of what we've seen. Here's my follow-up question. What if the species of Yoda is created by the midichlorians? Ooh. Because we know that Yoda's incredibly powerful. This little baby at 50 years old is able to lift up these giant beasts and do things that these warrior people like the mandalorian cannot do like without baby yoda the mandalorian probably would be gone at this point 100 percent would be dead like he was just like weakly holding up a knife like that was not gonna go anywhere yeah and we know that that midichlorians work in mysterious ways and you know Qui-Gon's theory about Anakin being conceived about midichlorians is is believed to be the reason for Anakin's existence there was no father Palpatine potentially had some influence there but I have a feeling that the midichlorians have something to do with this species and their creation that's just my personal thought I love that theory that totally could be what if they're just kind of like spread out? Like what if they don't have like a home planet mm-hmm. and they're just kind of like these manifestations of the force, like wherever they're needed? Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if we'll get an answer. I feel like that's something that might be, you know, drawn out. I mean, mm-hmm. this species, I don't know if this has been in Dave's, Dave Filoni's mind for a long time. Or maybe this is something that John Favreau wrote in and uh, you know brought to Lucasfilm and was like, "I want to put Baby Yoda in this." Or if that's something <laughs> you know, like I said, has that's been around for a little while. I mean, maybe they've thought about this and and they have a whole history about it right now. I don't know, but I think it'll be interesting as we continue on with the rest of this season and season two to see more with Baby Yoda and the species. Yeah, I hope it's dragged out because I'm not ready for Yoda Baby to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling like once that once Yoda Baby's gone, people are gonna be like, ah, oh. I'm know, done. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, we're ready for the rise of Skywalker next. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about these Jawas. They were kind of crazy. Like to me, they seemed like Jawas that were like on too much adrenaline or you know had too much pre-workout or something because they just seemed like insane like talking back to Mandalorians almost getting their faces burnt off with a flamethrower insulting a warrior who's twice their size about how he's speaking their language like it just I don't know these guys seem very bold yeah I you know what it really reminded me of like back when we first started playing um galaxy 
gosh, Galaxy of Heroes on mm-hmm. our phones, the app. Yeah. Um, and I used to get so mad when there'd be like a Jawa or an Ewok that had like all this power and it could kill my Jedi. Like I would be really <laughs> mad. But like this is like a big like there. It's like like safety in numbers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I mean, we got we got action figures in of off-world Jawas on Force Friday, and like off-world Jawas, like what is this? <laughs> and now we get them, and they're they're really cool. Totally obsessed with an egg, um, yeah, random Suga. egg. Yeah. <laughs> the weird thing is, they were requesting Beskar, which I yeah. feel like is highly desired by multiple species by everyone throughout the galaxy because of how valuable and rare it is and when the mandalorian says no you're not going to have that they're like okay we'll do it for an egg you know right (laughs) it was like a strange request right it's almost like they were like they're like expert bargainers right Mm -hmm. so like you always like start high so that you know you can like get somewhere in the middle like maybe they just like they knew for sure they weren't going to get that so they're like, well, maybe we'll get the second thing we ask for. Yeah. I think they actually got the third thing they asked for because they asked for Yoda Baby too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's such a well done show. I mean, it really is. Let's talk about the abilities of the Mandalorian. So we know that Mandalorians have a lot of gadgets. They have a lot of equipment. And so far we've gotten two episodes, which works out to be like an hour and 20 what is it 79 minutes so that's like or 69 minutes like yeah i don't know an hour and 10 minutes essentially and we've seen the mandalorian disintegrate people we've seen him use a flamethrower we've seen him use his sort of like ascension cable to get up onto the the sand crawler and he also uses it to sort of like pull the core in at the beginning of season or of episode one toward the door again and in this episode, we see him use sort of like a remote thing on his gauntlet to sort of move Baby Yoda's pod. Did you catch that in his battle? Yeah, I did. And I wonder if that's like the same thing. Like, I don't know, is it like Bluetooth? Where like, because Yoda Baby kind of just like follows him as he walks like automatically. So I wonder if that's like the same, all part in the same control. Yeah. At the in the scene where the Mandalorian is on the sand crawler just like flying through the sand and all of a sudden you see Yoda baby like jettisoning after him. Yeah. Like he's just speeding up. It's I thought like that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So he's I don't know. So if... content. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if the Mandalorian had some sort of like control that was allowing him to do that, like you said, or how that works, but so this has been only two episodes, and we get all these gadgets and abilities from the Mandalorian. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they continue to show us the full potential of the Mandalorian himself. But the one main thing that I wanted to talk about about his equipment and things is it is very apparent to me, and I know we talked a little bit about this in our last episode about uh, the potential of upgrading his armor to Beskar as the season goes on, But it's very apparent to me that we are purposely meant to see multiple times how terrible his non-Beskar armor is, you know, because he gets it destroyed by that big rhino thing and it's like falling apart. He gets beat up by the Trandoshans. 
Um, the guy at the beginning of episode one makes a scratch on his breastplate. Like, I think it's very apparent that we're meant to see how bad the non-Beskar stuff is so that it means more to us when he upgrades that armor. Yeah, he's definitely due for a new chest plate. And there is a part, I think it's when he's battling our big giant beast at the end that I think it hits him in the head at one point because you can hear it like, like go dong like in a very like like strong metal sound and like there's not a scratch on his head there's like you know his the mechanics of his helmet don't glitch like he just kind of gets a little dazed like so yeah strong stuff i'm very excited to see his armor get upgraded over time and you know that that silver plated look to it the chrome it just looks awesome so yeah. I'm excited to see how he looks at the end of the season because you know it's going to be different. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's. I feel like we're just going to get one piece at a time and maybe he'll just be like a, like a silver Mandalorian by the end, just all silver. Yeah. A couple things that I want to touch on before we go here. One of them is our trusty new character, Kuil. Again, he helps the Mandalorian. He takes him to the Jawas. He sort of transports him around. And at the end of this episode, our Mandalorian sort of asks him to join the crew, essentially, and he refuses. How do you think this is going to go? You know, because I know at the end of our last episode, we sort of were like, is this guy going to return? And we're like, I don't know. His story might be done. But here he is again in the second episode. Yeah, and they had the same kind of you know, send off with him at the end where he just kind of refuses the order and seem the offer and just seems to walk away. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I I like him so much as a character already. So I kind of hope that he just somehow like shows up again. I feel like right now we've completely left him behind because the Mandalorian, you know, started jettisoning seemingly off this planet. So Maybe he'll just come up again in the future and just, he just seems like somebody who just, if he's around, he's going to help. Yeah, definitely. We also talked about on our last episode, the fact that it's possible that there is another person that's out after baby Yoda who wanted him dead or it dead. I guess we don't know it's, it's gender yet, but in this episode, we see the Trandoshans that also have the tracking fobs. So I think that's another indication that, yes, there's somebody that seriously wants Baby Yoda. And a question I had with that is, could it be the client kind of putting out, like, other hits on Yoda Baby? Because he seemed more, like... Like he said, dead or alive, even though Dr. Pershing was very adamant on alive. So I wonder if he was like, well, you know, if this guy can't do it, or maybe he really does want him dead. He's just kind of hoping somebody will bring him back dead. I don't know. My thing is that it seemed like the client was very aware of the abilities of the Mandalorians and the fact that he wanted this Mandalorian to have this Beskar and... Things like that. I feel like the client was very aware of the skill that our Mandalorian possesses. I don't know if he would feel like two Trandoshans would be able to get that job done. But who knows? Maybe he's not as smart as we think he is. Or maybe there's just other people 
that are starting to know about this. And I mean, it's a rare, powerful species. So maybe there's just other, yeah, other people involved. But do you think tracking fobs are those? those specific types of tracking fobs that we see because they all look the same or at least very similar i wonder if that's specific to the guild Mm. i also i'm i wonder how those work like do you have to does yoda baby have something on him that's allowing him to be tracked is it some kind of like signature like species signature maybe because he's well, he had he had all those tracking files for all of his other bounties. So, like, yeah, I just wonder how that works. Is it just because, like, hey, this is the last spot we knew this thing to be. Here's something that will get you to that location. I don't know. I don't know either. It's interesting, too, because these bounty pucks, like, we've seen things similar to that. But if you remember in season four... Of the Clone Wars, where Ventress becomes a bounty hunter. There are five. Mm-hmm. I think it might be five. And she realizes that Savage Opress has a bounty on him. She's in that cantina, and she literally, like, puts her little, like, data pad thing or her little device up to the screen, and then it shows up on her device, like, her portable device. So there must be some sort of, like community of bounty hunters in terrible places and their technology to track is more than what we understand it to be yeah maybe but going back a little bit i just found something else i had in my notes that i forgot about to um other people being interested and other all these people being interested in yoda baby there's an episode that somebody I saw pointed out on Twitter, I forget who it was, but they were like, if you're wondering about Yoda Baby, you should rewatch season two, episode three, Children of the Force of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And it's the episode where Palpatine is sending out Cad Bane to get all of these force sensitive infants. And he's doing experiments on them. And he's saying things like, um, he's he's conditioning them with slave procedures and surgeries. And um, he says, I foresee an army of force talented spies in my service, trained in the dark side to peer into every corner of the galaxy from afar. And my enemies would be helpless against such vision. That sounds like Inquisitors, right? right? Yep. So I wonder if these are like, and obviously Palpatine's, from what we know now, is around in some way some form yeah so i don't know how early he started to be able to manipulate things in the galaxy again after his so-called demise by vader but maybe he's somehow already manipulating to get these four sensitive kids again yeah i feel like for somebody as powerful as yoda baby is at the young age of 50 (laughs) Um, (laughs) that Palpatine might have sensed it right? and was able to sort of monitor it. Because even even with Anakin, Palpatine at the end of episode one was like, we'll watch your career with great interest. Like, it seemed like he's he's very patient, but he also understands how the Force works and is able to sort of bend things to his will a little bit. 
So I feel like in in this sense, with somebody as as powerful as Yoda Baby seems to be, maybe Palpatine is aware of it and is working towards acquiring little baby Yoda. But we'll see. Uh, one thing I did want to say too before we go here is that I thought it was interesting that after Yoda Baby does his little like force thing on the big beast to save the Mandalorian, he sort of passes out. And that brings me back to... You know, the force, if you use your effort to do something impeccable with the force, that it may cause you harm in some way. And, you know, that brings me back to The Last Jedi with Luke sort of using the force at the most that he could possibly do. Like, it's it seemed like when we see him, he's levitating, his cheeks are jiggling because he's really concentrating to, you know, essentially have his essence uh, halfway across the galaxy and in that sense it it ended up killing him and i think it really they really do a good job of showing that if you use the force in a really powerful way it could cause you to either pass out or die or you know have issues and even with ezra using the force to sort of block all those blaster shots and rebels when he's training with kanan and they're like throwing stuff at him and and kanan's like yeah i want you to deflect the shot back at the helmet and he's just deflecting it in all sorts of random ways but then he has like a vision and all the shots when he wakes up from his vision have gone straight back at the helmet and uh, he had passed out and had woken up after that so I think the force is is really cool, and I love what they're doing with it yeah. so far. Yeah, it's like you 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 go beyond your ability to where your body doesn't actually have the energy to do what you've done. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're very excited about the Mandalorian and everything that is it's brought to us. Uh, at the end of this episode, we do see the Mandalorian leave the planet in the Razor Crest. So, what now? What now, Jesse? What's <laughs> what's your guess? Um, I don't know. I just hope that wherever he takes Yoda Baby, that he is safe and <laughs> <laughs> that I can see his little teeth again. I love his little teeth. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I, I feel like even though he is the anti-hero and Mr. Disintegration, I feel like he's still going to do what's in the best interest for this Yoda Baby. I think he has bonded with him, yeah. with them whatever we're going to call Yoda baby. But, but yeah, I, I, I do think he'll make the right choice when it comes down to it. I don't, I, I mean, Beskar is great and he really needs it. And, but I, I just, it seems like he, he's really bonded with Yoda baby. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll do what he can to make his money, but also deep down, I think he understands that, this is a living being and you know it's something that is rare in the galaxy and and maybe he should not just throw it to the wolves so yeah and i think kids like cross a line for some people you know like the bounty hunters you know might seem ruthless and everything but like they're still kind of just doing a job and that might not might for him might just cross the line for him yeah adults who suck are one thing but like a little innocent baby is like a whole nother ball yeah. game 
Well, there's a ton to look forward to in Star Wars universe right now. We're coming up. We have less than a month until the rise of Skywalker Jesse, which is so exciting. And, you know, with episodes of The Mandalorian coming out every week now, uh, we'll have to sort of split time between talking about The Mandalorian as well as Resistance and gearing up for the rise of Skywalker. So as we inch towards December, we're going to be, of course, not only doing our book review of the book club books, but talking about these shows And then probably the first week, maybe first or second week of December, I want to have a full Rise of Skywalker discussion talking about our thoughts and and everything that we can expect, or at least we're expecting personally in the final installment of the saga. So it's, it's just so exciting. And hopefully by then we'll have finished Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Jesse, before we go, uh, let's talk about the book club a little bit. Uh, We are doing Resistance Reborn now, and then we'll have two books in December leading up to The Rise of Skywalker. Um, Have you started the book yet? I have started it. I know I've been kind of catching up on some other podcasts lately that I've been missing out on due to my car star wars novel consumption but i have started it all right and i love it so far i mean i'm like 14 chapters in or something like that so it's pretty awesome definitely gives you some some good background that i think will be uh important for episode nine if people want to join our book club where can they do that you can jump in on the discussions on our tso facebook page it is an open well it's not a page it's a group it's an open group search tso book club and you'll find us there amanda is posting weekly discussion questions based on the chapters and it's really fun getting to chat star wars with you guys on there all right and if people are looking to find us on social media where can they do that you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram all under the handle at twin sons outpost All right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening to episode 153 of Twin Suns Transmission. Make sure to stick around as we will have more episodes coming very quickly with all the new content coming out there's a lot to discuss so for everyone here at twin sons thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time and of course may the force be with you hi this is vanessa marshall harrison doula from star wars rebels you've been listening to twin sons transmission an exciting show where sand gets everywhere Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Airmaster Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hutt. I'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine.
Stop doing my definition.